Welcome, everyone. I'm so happy to see you here this morning. I am Sherry Greenberg. I'm director of the Center for Politics and Governance at the LBJ School of Public Affairs. I want to welcome you to the second annual Texas Tribune Festival. And on behalf of the Texas Tribune, I want to say that we are very, very happy that you are here for this particular panel, Race and Immigration, an 83rd Legislative Session Preview. And we certainly have the experts here with us today. Thank you to the sponsors of the Legislative Preview events, AT&T and the Texas Construction Association. We could not do this without you. I'm going to begin by introducing our esteemed uh, panelists, and uh, then this event will last 60 minutes, which will include approximately 15 to 20 minutes at the end for your opportunity to ask questions. So I will go in order. We have uh, immediately uh, next to me uh, Senator Jose R. Rodriguez. In November 2010, uh, Jose Rodriguez uh, an attorney was elected to serve the people of Senate District 29 in the Texas Senate. He is the son of immigrant farm workers. He was born in Alice, Texas, and from an early age worked in the fields throughout the country to help support a family of nine. He and his family have made their home in El Paso since 1983, where they've been deeply involved in civic, economic development, and human rights activities. Senator Rodriguez graduated from Pan American University in Edinburgh, Texas, and received his law degree from the National Law Center at George Washington University. He began his 37-year legal career as a staff attorney with the United States Department of Housing and Urban, and Urban Development. Immediately prior to his service in the Texas Senate, Senator Rodriguez served as the El Paso County Attorney for 17 years. Welcome, Senator. Thank, thank you for joining thank us. You. Thank you for Next, we have Senator Leticia Van Depute. And uh, Senator uh, Van Depute actually was elected to the Texas House of Representatives in 1990. And then she has been a member of the uh, Senate since 1999. She has been a pharmacist for more than 32 years and represents a large portion of San Antonio and Bear County. Nationally, Senator Van Depute served as co-chair of the 2008 Democratic National Convention joined the ranks of Texas women Barbara Jordan and Ann Richards. She has been actively involved in the National Conference of State Legislators, serving as president from 2006 to 2007. Over the past two decades, Senator Vandepute has been recognized and honored with numerous awards, such as the Edward B. Royal Award by the National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Officials. Help us in welcoming Senator Vandepute. Next, we have Representative Debbie Riddle. Debbie Riddle is a native Houstonian and proud Texan. She graduated from Waltrip High School and attended Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. She and her husband, Mike, have lived in the Spring Tomball area for over 30 years. They're very proud of their large family, three grown children and three spouses and 10 grandchildren. Uh, you and Senator Vandepute have something in common when it comes to large uh, families. Large families. Yes, Debbie has served her community as a realtor, Cub Scout den mother, and volunteer firefighter. Debbie ran for state representative and sworn into office in April of 2002. Her first full session was in 2003. She has uh, been very active, and she was very active in passing House Bill 8, Jessica's Law, in 2007. She also has written a book, Taking Back Your Country, Your Community, and Your Kids. Help us in, rep in welcoming Representative Riddle. And next, we have Representative Larry Gonzalez, uh, who has made a special effort to be here recovering from <laughs> back surgery. Representative Gonzalez is a Republican member of the Texas House of Representatives for House District 52. He is a 14-year resident of HD 52 and a seasoned veteran of the Texas legislature, having worked nine regular legislative sessions, including senior staff appointments for members of the House, Lieutenant Governor, and Attorney General. Most recently, Representative Gonzalez served as Assistant Vice Chandler, Chancellor for Governmental Relations for the Texas State University System as a liaison to the Texas Legislature and other state agencies. 
In addition, Representative Gonzalez is the owner of a graphic design and communications company which offers a wide range of services including creative design and mediation. He was raised in Alvin, Texas where his parents have served as pastors for over 25 years. And he is a graduate of the University of Texas with a BA in government and has completed 30 hours towards his master's in public administration at Texas State University. I'm gonna finish. I'm, He's going, I'm going to finish. finish. He, is, finish. He, has, he is I'm resolved to finish. to finish. Help us in welcoming <laughs> Representative Gonzalez. Thank you. So uh, what we are going to do now is give each of our panelists here um, a five minutes to give us their views on this topic, on race and immigration in the 83rd legislative session, which will begin in the January of 2013. Mm -hmm. Senator. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Greenberg. Um, well, let me start off this way. Uh, we know we're going to be confronting those issues again as we did in the 82nd uh, legislative session. Uh, my view is that diversity is a good thing, that this country has been founded on diversity, and we always say welcome, welcoming of immigrants. And so for me, we have to think in terms of some of the fundamentals that we value in this country for everyone, uh, those of us who came as immigrants and those of us who were born here. And it seems to me that two of those fundamental principles is uh, right to vote, the privilege of voting, and also um, an opportunity to get an education, equal educational opportunity. And those are fundamental for me. And so when we look at what's coming up in the next session, uh, I would like for us to keep those things in mind. Uh, last session, we had a very divisive, contentious voter ID bill. We had a divisive, contentious redistricting plan, both of which have been struck down by the federal courts as being discriminatory against minorities and others, the elderly and people like that that uh, would not have had an opportunity to vote had the voter ID law gone into effect. Uh, that's still in the courts. It seems to me we cannot afford as a state to spend more time and energy on those kinds of divisive issues that run contrary to the basic fundamental principles on which this country is founded. So that's number one. Uh, there's no question that when we talk about opportunity in this country, uh, we pride ourselves in talking about not just uh, opportunity in education, but opportunity to, to uh, access jobs. We should have the opportunity to access healthcare. We should have the opportunity to do everything that all of us aspire to do uh, to become productive citizens in this country. And so race and immigration are critical, not just in this state, but as we know for this whole nation. Uh, all of the demographers have told us about the changing demographics. We live in Texas in a majority minority state already. That's going to be the case in other states, not just uh, uh, here in the Southwest. And so I think it behooves all of us as legislators in the next session to be mindful of these very basic principles of offering opportunity to everyone so that as we go about fashioning legislation, that we fashion legislation that promotes opportunities for everyone. Now, I understand some people are concerned that, well, somebody came here uh, breaking the law. But if we look at our country's history, uh, the demands for labor have always uh, had this, what the academicians call push-pull factors of, of having people come in, then not having them go out, having them come in. And we've always managed as a country, it seems to me, with the contributions of immigrants to become the great nation that we are. And so okay. I want to close with that because all the reports, including our own state controller not too long ago, the Brookings uh, Institute uh, institution two years ago in 2010 saying that immigrants contribute more to our economy and to our way of life than what they take out. And so we need to keep these things in mind and promote the comprehensive immigration reform that will finally begin to resolve a lot of these issues that were talked about in the prior panel 
when we talk about border security and saying we got to secure the border first, I think that that's an excuse, frankly, on both sides who advocate mm -hmm. that to not address the hard question of immigration reform that will finally get us on the right track. Thank you, Senator. Senator Van de Pute. Thank you very much, and I want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's always really wonderful uh, to have uh, visiting with you, Sherry. We both came into the legislature at the same time. And to sit on a panel with people that I, I, that I deeply respect. I don't always agree with everybody on this panel. <laughs> but I respect them for their views and representing their constituencies. Race and immigration is a tough issue. It's mm -hmm. a complex emotional issue, not only statewide, but across our entire nation. But it's not limited to that. It's our entire globe. Uh, deals with issues of ethnicity and race and differences. The real successful economies, the very successful countries and states, grapple with it very well. And they use race and ethnicity in such a combination of factors to make great living communities, vibrant communities that are successful, that are economic pluses. I hope that as we go into the next legislative session, we really look at Texas on how I view Texas because of that's how my grandmother viewed Texas. She always told me that Texas was a little bit Southern that we say please and thank you and no sir and yes ma'am and if you sneeze you're still going to get three people that say God bless you. And that we're part of the rugged west. That we have this wonderful admiration of a you pull yourself up from your own bootstraps mentality. We value rugged individualism and that sense of entrepreneurship. But we're also Latino. We're also that wonderful Hispanic Mi casa es su casa, my house is your house. And very much a welcoming uh, society. So when people come to Texas, what we really should be saying is something like, bienvenidos y'all, with all of our history. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in public policy is we forget our history. Our demographics show us that we're actually returning to the demographics that we had 250, 300 years ago. It will be the same type of demographics. Um, the issues are complex, but when those positions are put forth that really rip families apart, those types of theories that would say, you gotta go back home if you're not here legally, that's when we really need to remember that we're Texans. And you can't rip granny from you because granny doesn't have the papers to be here. For me, nothing is more symbolic of our opportunities to work together than the Texas Dream Act, which was passed, uh, had the opportunity to sponsor that in the Senate. Uh, the time Representative Noriega sponsored it in the House. That Dream Act was really an in-state tuition act, which mm -hmm. said, and very narrowly restricted, that if a student was here at least three years, if they graduated from a Texas public school, if they didn't have any interface with criminal justice, and if they signed an affidavit that said, I want to seek citizenship as soon as I possibly can, then we allow them to pay the in-state rate. In 2010, the last year that we actually have statistics for, 16,500 plus students took opportunity of that in Texas, paying close to $37 million in tuition and fees. I think some people think that this gives them a free ride. It doesn't. It gives them the opportunity to pay the same rate as other Texans. It's good for business. We had support of the Texas um, Association of Business and the governor at the time. And I have to tell you, I was very sad and surprised when the governor was running for president that he was booed. And even he himself, how, how can you be so heartless? You see, as Texans, we don't blame children for the transgressions of their parents. We give them those opportunities. And if we keep that framework, then we'll stay out of trouble in the legislative session. If we divide into emotional wedge issues, us versus them, or this fear that things are changing too quickly, 
then we'll see those proposals that will do economic damage to Texas more than the kind of set mindset of the Latino community where we will feel hurt. It's real economic damage to do the types of bills that other states have passed. Thank you. Representative Riddle. Well, I've got to tell you, it's a, a wonderful experience to be up here on this platform today with you and, and uh, with my distinguished colleagues here last night. We agreed, uh, Senator, that we were going to agree on some things today. Yes, and uh, just to let you in on a little bit of behind the scenes, uh, Senator Vandepute and I, before we got started, were discussing where to get shoes. <laughs> and so, uh, she was giving me Did some you agree? Advice. Uh, yes, and, and we agreed on that. And, and so... The real important step. The really important step. That's right, Senator. So, I want to bring a little bit of reality uh, to what we have today. Texas is not Washington, D.C. Thank God for that. And yes, we, we can do, all agree with that. And, yes. and we can agree with that. Uh, yes, we do have disagreements. Yes, we do uh, differ in, in many of the ways that we would solve some of our problems. But we are also friends. Uh, the elected officials, we, we visit with each other. We, we, we were talking about our children and, and what's going on with our kids. So first of all, I would like to uh, just say that we here in Texas are blessed because those of us in the legislature, we do like each other, we do get along, and though we debate and debate vigorously, that is okay because that is a good thing. Uh, I was taking some notes. Uh, Senator Rodriguez made some interesting statements that diversity is good. Guess what? I agree with that. Diversity is outstanding. We are a diverse nation. Uh, that immigration is good. I agree with that. We are a nation of immigrants. My great-grandparents immigrated here from Finland. That our values are good. I agree with that as well. However, diversity and immigration, that is different from those that would not come here legally and not respect our laws. We are a country that appreciates the rule of law. For us to pick and choose which laws we're going to respect and which laws we're going to ignore, that is counter to who and what we are as a nation that respects our rule of law. If we want other nations to respect us and to respect our rule of law, then we have to do that ourselves. And so, with all due respect, Senator, I would say that, that yes, we want opportunities and we want jobs and, and we want good health care. But that is not synonymous with ignoring our immigration laws. That is not synonymous with just opening our borders. Now, uh, some time ago, there was a wonderful gentleman, that Dr. Martin Luther King, who, who had a dream. And I think it was an important dream. It really changed the course of our nation in a good direction because he said that it should be about the content of one's character, not the color of one's skin. Now it seems like that we're constantly talking about the color of one's skin. We, sh we should not be doing that. And making laws because of the color of skin, we should be talking about the content of character. And Senator Vandepute, I like what you had to say. Yeah, we're a state where we say not only please and thank you, but yes ma'am and no ma'am. Uh, where we have our bootstrap mentality. And all of that is, is to the core of who and what we are. And yes, we have a proud Hispanic heritage, but we also have a proud German heritage. Uh, go to Fredericksburg. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. Uh, we have the uh, Czechoslovakian heritage. We have, we have heritage, her, our heritage is proud from folks from all over the world, Asian and, and so, 
But there's one thing that was said. Nobody wants to send granny home for crying out loud. I'm a grandmother of 10. We love our families. And so what we're talking about, and I think what hopefully we can discuss together, is how we can actually be fair and do our citizens properly, how we can conduct ourselves properly and not get into this emotional issue of, well, we're going to send Granny home, because that's just not the case. Representative Gonzalez? Well, thank you very much. You know, um, you said it briefly in my bio, but I'll repeat it. You know, I was able to work nine sessions here as staff before, That's right. before being elected. That's intestinal fortitude. And so I've seen, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, as Senator, there's been some changes in, in the legislature. There's been some changes in kind of the tone and the rhetoric. And I think one of the things that I hope to bring in the 83rd, which I've worked on for so long as a staffer, was just changing the tone of the conversation. Mm -hmm. I am definitely a, a more flies with, with honey than vinegar uh, type of guy. Uh, it's the way I run my personal life, my business. It's, it's what I've tried to do here in the legislature. A lot of times, you know, you get in a situation where you're, where you're dealing with people. And of course, everybody's friends when, when things are going great. But it's when the challenges come up is when you see a true test of character. There's a couple of great books. Uh, I'm a, a trained mediator. There's a couple of great books called uh, Getting to Yes, oh, yes. And, and Getting Past No. Anybody who read those books, you understand they're just, they're the Bible for how you communicate with each other and how you negotiate and how you arbitrate. I'd add one more. How to deal with an angry public. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, I think that should be required reading uh, for every new freshman coming in uh, because it teaches you. It teaches you how to speak to each other and it teaches you genuinely how to problem solve and how to have that respect. And there's been some, in my opinion, some loss of that the last several years. And so from my perspective, I, I, I look at the legislature and I think, okay, uh, my friends on the left will look at the immigration issues as uh, education and opportunity. And my friends on the right will look at uh, the immigration issue over here as uh, law and order. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is, everybody's right. I mean, there, there's some validity in what everybody is saying. I think the missing piece is that we come together on some of the other things in the middle, right? Or to at least recognize that there is some very legitimate truths being said. I would add economic development. Mm -hmm. That's what I would add to that, to that mixture. And when you looked at the bill that, that, that you authored, that was an education bill. And we looked at that as an education opportunity mm -hmm. bill. Mm -hmm. 11 years later, it's a litmus test for something entirely different. Mm -hmm. And that's just amazing for me to watch having been here Right. What that bill can mean in just, in just 10 short years, that it would flip the entire conversation. And now it's about something very different. And the tone is different. And, and the way people communicate is very different. So going forward, you know, my, I hope my role is to be able to, to have the conversation, to recognize that from a very diverse group of 181 members who all represent very different parts of Texas with different priorities, everybody's here to do their job, to represent their district, that respect is there, and that the conversation is there. Maybe you disagree without being disagreeable. You know, it's very You agree to disagree. Yeah, exactly right. And for me to be uh, a staffer for so long and to kind of observe, and then to be on the floor this time, fascinating. Just a fascinating viewpoint to be on the floor, listening to the conversations when it's, when it's happening in real, real time, and to have a conversation at somebody's desk, and to get to know them and understand where they're coming from totally respect your opinion. But I have House District 52 in Williamson right. County. You know, I don't, you know, I don't have El Paso. Mm -hmm. And, but as long as that respect is there, we get so much further. But I'll tell you, again, in my opinion, having been here, I guess 93 was my first session, um, a lot of that's changing. And I really hope to bring back um, those types of uh, civility and conversation that you can still go ahead. Well, thank you, and Representative, that was a perfect segue into the uh, First question that I will begin with, which is, since this is a preview of the 83rd legislative session, what should we expect? And uh, feel free to just chime in here in this part of our, our panel. Let's have a conversation. Uh, how big of an issue is immigration going to be? We know we have the budget, we have education, we have many other issues. How big of an issue is immigration going to be? And what are the bills that we can expect? Should we expect that some of the bills that we saw last time will be filed again? Should we expect Arizona-type legislation or, as it's called, by some anchor baby-type legislation? So please, let's, ha let's start our conversation. Well, Senator, yes. 
I think that the governor will set the tone in the early part of the session. Mm -hmm. There are a number of items that each governor always sets as we right. begin a session as emergency items, which allows mm -hmm. us to deliberate before that 60-day time frame. Right. If Governor Perry puts sanctuary cities, mm -hmm. voter ID, um, on the emergency call, which sanctuary cities, of course, was a big issue and, last and session. The last legislative and voter session. ID, we right. now know, is in the court system, should we say? If, if, that, <laughs> if the governor puts that, then I think it's going to set a toxic tone for the rest of the session. What is so immediate about those two items over water, school finance, the budget, uh, really are high priority items. So if the governor sets the tone that this is the way it's going to be and we, it, it's about, and I'm sorry to say it, I, I'm afraid it might set the tone for a future next election rather than what's really important, the jobs that we have to do as legislators. If, they, if the governor sets those tones, then I think that that will, that will be the number one indicator. Um, in the Senate, the process used for both of those was to bypass um, kind of our, our, uh, our two-thirds rule uh, that we have. Kind of a calendar of the whole is the uh, way the Senate is. A calendar of the whole and are, are also to put it on a special order. Right. Which is, okay. Uh, so if, if it was kind of, you don't matter, we're going to have this done. And there are some that would say, well, you know it's going to happen, so let's just get it done with and over with so we don't have to worry about it. And I've had some real discussions with my colleagues. And they said, yeah, that way we can get our work done. We're going to do that. And I said, you expect me to agree to something so you don't feel bad about voting for something that you really don't want to vote on? But you, you I said, no, you don't, you don't get out that easy. I'm sorry. There are things that are very unpleasant, but if you don't want to vote on it, then have the courage to stand up and say, this is really isn't a priority. But what happens is we let, and, and maybe Democrats are just as guilty, we let certain things pull us one to the other, those red meat issues. If the governor puts this on the call, expect a toxic tone from day one. Other views of what to expect? Well, uh, there's no question that we're gonna be confronting again a lot of these anti-immigrant measures. We had over 100 of them last session. And uh, I believe the governor and other senators and others have already made public statements to the media that uh, they certainly are intending on bringing sanctuary cities legislation back uh, to the next session, which is the Arizona-type legislation right. that would allow uh, local enforcement of federal immigration law, uh, show me your papers kind of, uh, of legislation. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I think uh, for the reasons we've articulated already, those are very divisive, divisive types of issues. And, and I want to uh, say to Representative Riddle, since she quoted uh, Martin Luther King, uh, you know, it used to be during that era, Representative, where there were laws in the books that prohibited people of color from attending certain facilities, from uh, participating fully in the American uh, system, and uh, be, those were the laws, but because we live in a system where we are evolving, uh, we assess laws and determine that they were unjust, unfair, or perhaps totally uh, unproductive in some instances, and, and so we move on. We change those laws. Uh, I think the big issue for us as you pointed out, is that, well, here are people that are coming in breaking the law. We know that most of these people, from all the studies that have been done over the years, are economic migrants. All they're trying to do is to get a better way of life for their families, for their children, uh, equal opportunity that maybe they don't have in their countries. And so these are not criminals, per se. These are people who are just trying to survive. And so it seems to me that the, being the great country and in the spirit of, of Martin Luther King's uh, dream, that we would be more open to addressing the present reality that we have these folks here. So it should be a solution of what can we do, many of them already contributing, paying taxes, 
uh, working, meeting the labor needs of various industries in this country, agricultural, construction, service industry, and so forth, uh, that it's a more appropriate response to say, as a country, what do we do to solve this problem, and let's get to work on it now, as opposed to uh, engaging in further divisive type of, of uh, uh, debate and legislation that we saw last session. So what will we see in the next session? Uh, what I will think, we see in the House? I think it's interesting when you look at the, uh, both the Democrat platform uh, that was passed at the convention and the Republican platform as well, let's be clear, both platforms say the federal government has failed us on this issue. Right. I, I mean, you, both platforms say that. On that we agree that this is the job of the federal government. Uh, people look to us and they, 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 they want to pass things here in Texas, but if you go back to whose responsibility it is, mm -hmm. it is theirs. Mm -hmm. It is theirs. What to expect, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, uh, and that's why I'm on this panel for just great quotes, just like that. I, I have absolutely no idea. You know, I didn't file any legislation last time. I'm not going to file any this time when it comes to this issue. This, this isn't, you know, uh, uh, at the top of my list of bills to file. Do you uh, think they, it will be for others this session? You know what? The House sure did change in this time. The House sure is changing. I lots think, of new members. I, yes. Lots of new members. I think if you look at, I think we had 62 bills in my office that we were tracking. A lot of those authors are, are not coming back. Right. So the question is, does somebody else champion then those mm -hmm. pieces of legislation? Because when all those authors aren't coming back, right, I mean, does someone right. else take that and run with it? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's, there's, there's probably one that we're looking at is some uh, a racial profiling language. One of the things that I uh, do care about this a lot, and we had this on Sanctuary Cities bill in the House, it, it was known as the Gonzales Amendment, um, right. was we, we took the, the, the racial profiling statute that was passed in 2001, and I wanted to make sure that was in the Sanctuary Cities bill. So I took that language, and with the help of uh, 79 members of the House, we put mm -hmm. that on to the Sanctuary Cities bill because right. that was the one thing I heard the most about. Mm -hmm. and, and in your I, district? I, I, I agree. I do not want my 79-year-old grandmother stopped in Coles. No. Okay. okay. So, so Fair we, enough. So we took that exact language that already exists that Sinfonia Thompson passed, and I added it to House Bill 12. Mm -hmm. um, with the help of Rafael Anchia, we added one word in there. We also added language. Rafael wanted to make sure that just because of your speaking of a different language, that that wasn't... Right. Uh, uh, so, so we added that as well, which I think would work well in the language go back and, to the, and, and, and add that to the 01 language. But, you know, there's an article, uh, NCSL had an article uh, recently that talked about there were 20% fewer immigration bills filed state and nationwide right. in 2012 than there were in 2011. And the question was asked why, and the answer was they're expensive to litigate mm -hmm. and they were losing. And so states have looked at budget shortfalls and redistricting. The budgets are big deal. We're deals. still looking at those, yeah, aren't FYI, we? FYI, budgets are a big deal, right? And so, it's the only bill that has to pass. And so, and so these states are really focusing on the budget and the budget. And so it's a very interesting article. You can find it. Uh, National uh, Council of State Legislators. Yeah, you can find it on the website. It's very interesting right. that, that tracks uh, how fewer pieces of legislation are mm -hmm. actually being drafted nationwide. Uh, and, and for those particular reasons. So I don't know what happens. Uh, the House, you're looking at probably uh, half the floor, freshman, sophomore. Right. Mm -hmm. Representative Riddle, what, what do you think we should be expecting as far as legislation regarding race and immigration in the upcoming session? Well, this, I, I will be, uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me rethink this. The first priority that we should have which I think is the first priority for any and every elected official, whether it's here in Texas or nationwide. It, our number one priority should be to make sure that the safety and security of the people of Texas is well established. Mm -hmm. If we don't do that and do it well, quite frankly, there is no number two priority. And I've said that over and over and over. That is why criminal jurisprudence, uh, that committee is such, is so special to me because that that really is the core of what government is all about. Now, having said that, I've got to tell you, coming, I'm a native Houstonian, Houstonian and coming from the greater Houston area, mm -hmm. we have great concerns. Houston is considered the command and control center for the Mexican drug cartel. 
It is considered the command and control center for the Mexican drug cartel because of the transportation. You've got I-10, I-45, 59. You know, uh, if you get to Houston, then you can get anywhere. And quite frankly, the criminals, that's what they look at. Why should they want to take a detour? So, so these are the issues that we're going to have to look at. And, and that is critical. Now, you, we did talk about, well, what are some solutions? And you had something good to say, you know, that we should have solutions. Well, the Republican uh, Party at their convention, they established the 2012 Texas Republican platform, the Texas solution. And here it is. I'm going to be working on things regarding the Texas solution. And number one on there is, in fact, secure the borders. Look, after 9-11, it is outrageously stupid of us not to have control of our borders. It's not somebody coming over that wants a better life to pick peaches or, or get their kids over here so that they can get a job. We are living in a world. I mean, look at what happened in Libya. There are people that hate us and want to see us dead. For us to not take our borders seriously is, is outrageous. And so that is, that is an issue that we've got to do. One thing, though, that I want to make clear. I find it offensive to continue calling folks that have issues with illegal immigration. Referring to it as saying that we're anti-immigration. Those are two different words, two different thoughts, two different concepts. And I just can't let you get by with that, Senator. We are in favor of immigration. And yes, maybe we need to re-examine our immigration laws federally. We're at the state level, that's a federal level. But to say that those of us that have genuine concerns about crime, Mexican drug cartel, our poorest borders, that we're anti-immigrant, that's just not the case. Thank you very much, Representative. We'd like now to open it up to the audience for your questions, and we have microphones, so if you would please come to the microphones. Thank you, sir. A uh, couple of quick comments. Well, we are going to focus on questions, though. Right. Um, Martin Luther King uh, broke the law through his civil disobedience in a nonviolent manner, and an awful lot of white people really hated him because he kept breaking the law. And we wouldn't be where we are today had he not continued to break the law. Uh, but what really concerns me here is you keep hearing uh, people in Houston, usually sometimes people in Dallas, who complain about the anchor babies, so-called anchor babies. Now, if they know what they're talking about, and I assume they do, they know that these babies will have to grow to be adults, at least 18 years of age, before they can petition to, to have their parents uh, legalized. So and is your question regarding the anchor baby legislation? Yes, and at that point, the parents are going to have to go to Mexico for 10 years uh, in order to do it all legal. So rather than calling them anchor babies, why not just say these Mexicans are really smart and really look far into the future? Okay, so I think that the question is regarding whether or not we should have legislation of that type. Well, that's, that's really I, first of all, I gotta tell you, I just really despise the term anchor babies. Those are American babies. Yeah, thank you. They are born here on this land, they are Texans, they are, now I know some people refer to them, as, but it's such a derogatory term if you want to try to call an infant less than a beautiful American, Texan. Uh, we have seen that type of legislation. We know that that le legislation only leads to litigation. And I agree with Larry in that the reason for less immigration-related legislation passing in the states is the states realized at the time the Arizona case was still being litigated at the Supreme Court, and they said, why do it? Why should we expose ourselves 
to that sort of litigation when it was in the pipeline. Now that that has been decided, I think we're going to see an uptick in uh, certain states with this type of legislation. But to me, our Constitution, our U.S. Constitution is very clear. And the only rationale for introducing legislation regarding babies who are born here of non-citizens is to test our U.S. Constitution. Well, uh, can I add to that? Uh, look, uh, there was a bill that was introduced that, that in fact, uh, contrary to the 14th Amendment, would have declared that any uh, people born here in the United mm -hmm. States by virtue of undocumented parents would no longer have uh, citizenship. Clearly a violation of the U.S. Constitution, yet we introduced that kind of legislation. It's kind of like an anchor baby type legislation. There are, as I said earlier, over 100 bills and if the topic here is race and immigration, uh, we have to be concerned uh, about each and every one of these bills in terms of the consequences of what these bills would entail for us as a society, not just, I mean, as taxpayers, as a country that values diversity, as we have all agreed on, as a country that values equal opportunity. Uh, but, and, and I have to say that to, to Mr. Gonzalez and Ms. Riddle, that Look, sanctuary cities legislation is not just an issue about racial profiling uh, issues. Uh, those of us who have problems with it include the Texas Association of Business because of the economic uh, negative impact that that would have, as it had in Arizona. Uh, it includes most of law enforcement, certainly all of the major uh, departments, both in the counties and cities here in this state, that opposed it last session. It includes the faith-based organization, churches and others, mm -hmm. the immigrant advocates. In short, this type of legislation is divisive and harmful to our state. Do we have any other comments on this? Because I do want to make sure we have time for some more questions. Okay, if so. I could just jump in real quick. First of all, this is a constitutional issue. Mm -hmm. The reason that that amendment is in the Constitution had nothing to do with people coming over here illegally. That was put in there regarding the children of the slaves many, many, many years ago. Uh, I think that that issue needs to be revisited, but that needs to be revisited at a federal level. Now, that doesn't mean that we're dodging it here, but we've got to be realistic. We're at the state level. Mm -hmm. There's state senators, we're state representatives. We don't make those kinds of decisions, but our voice can be heard on that. But on the issue of folks coming over here, and uh, the comment was made a few minutes ago that the uh, comptroller said that the people that are not here legally add to our economy. That is only part true. Uh, uh, we have received 1.16 billion in, they have received 1.16 billion in services, but what it does cost is the local governments, and that is what is being ignored, is the monetary cost, and you mentioned economics and, and the economy, uh, how it's being affected. That is a major effect that is costing our local economy which is costing our local taxpayers. And that is an issue that we cannot ignore. It may not be a fun issue. It may not be a feely good kind of an issue. But nevertheless, it's an issue that we need to address. So financial implications. Well, okay. can, uh, the, uh, the, that same number, uh, we, we, let's make it complete. 1.1 billion, you're right. But the controller also said that the net Input by the immigrants is 1.5 billion. However, so in other words, it's it's an excess. But it is the local governments that bore the burden of well, 1.44 billion in uncompensated health care costs and law enforcement costs that were not paid for by the state. And so what we're doing is saying we're doing a fine job, we're making money, but we're pushing it over and blinding ourselves to what our local governments well, are having to deal with. We have a whole set of panels that are addressing health care, so I'm, I'm not going to venture into that one. Ma'am? Um, many would consider the voter ID bill a voter suppression bill. Uh, and if, if there is any voter fraud, it would be in mail ballots, mail-in ballots. And I want to know how you can address that. Mail-in, the question is, 
the statement was many consider the voter ID bill to be a voter suppression and that if there is any fraud, it would be in mail-in ballots, those who are mailing their ballots in. How would you address the mail-in ballots? Well, look. Was that accurate? Well, let, let, let me say, first of all, that um, it's not that just that many consider it a voter suppression bill. The federal courts have now declared that it is a voter suppression bill. And, and, and they articulated good reasoning behind their conclusion. Uh, and secondly... There was an opinion just a couple of weeks ago on the right. Texas. Secondly, the fact is our own attorney general two sessions ago conducted a study and determined that uh, uh, in terms of voter fraud that there were about six or eight cases, none of them having to do with an identification, mm -hmm. some of them having to do with mailing ballots okay. that you're referring to. And over the course of our election cycles, you will see throughout the state in different jurisdictions, including in El Paso, uh, someone getting charged with violating the provisions for mailing ballots. But those kinds of violations are far and few and in between. They, they are not to the extent that warrant passing a law that is going to suppress people's right to vote. And, Senator, and, I, and, I, and I want to just add this, this additional point uh, because of what Ms. Riddle said earlier. Uh, you know, it's not just that these types of legislation are anti-immigrant. Some of us consider these types of legislation anti-Latino, all right? Whether you're a citizen or not, you get negatively impacted by this legislation and you keep having this come out in the press just this week uh, on, uh, on, uh, the, uh, on the voter rolls where you had four citizens, it was reported in the Austin American Statesman yesterday, uh, being told that uh, they were not... Uh, Alive. Uh, pardon me? You're talking about the cases where people were being told that they were no longer living? Right, right, yes. right. On the, the, trying to purge the dead uh, voter rolls mm -hmm. and you end up purging U.S. citizens who are still alive and well. Uh, this, is, this is, in my view, an effort on the part of those who do not want to see the Latino community progress and exercise their right to vote in this country. And it is not something that we're going to take lightly. I think that the federal courts mm -hmm. have been siding with our view of these okay. issues. And it's, Representative that's Riddle, did you have something well, to add to the uh, uh, well, horror film of The Walking Dead? Well. Yeah. I've got to tell you, I'm really astounded that, that there are a few, the vast majority and even many Democrats agree that for crying out loud, you can't, you, you can't get on a plane, you can't go into a federal building, you can't. But that's not a constitutional even, right, uh, but, but you can't even go into Sam's without a Sam's card. I know, but, but that's not But voting. the fact of the matter is we could not even register here, Senator without an ID last night. Evan okay. Smith, with all of this, we had to have an ID, an ID to get in here. When the NAACP had, had their meetings in Houston, you had to have an ID to get into that meeting. Look, there is the, the integrity of our ballot box is critically important. Thank and you. there is absolutely nothing wrong Okay. with making sure that the integrity is well-established, well-maintained, so that people have confidence that their vote is not going to be stolen. Representative Gonzalez, did you have something to add? Voter fraud, in my opinion, has absolutely zero to do with immigration, race, anything else. Okay. For Senator Rodriguez to sit there and tell me that the people who support this are trying to suppress Latino vote, my last name is Gonzalez. I mean, you're sitting there telling me that I'm trying to suppress Latino vote is utterly ridiculous. It's a ridiculous statement to say well, that. To, now, to, now, wait a minute. Now, I'm going to have to jump in here <laughs> because we've heard it in open forums that the reason that we had to do this bill is because so many people thought that there were folks who were here who were undocumented. And I tried to tell them, you know, when they sit in their little villages in Mexico, they're not saying, let's go. We need to mess up that municipal election in Weatherford, Texas. <laughs> they're not doing that. Well, they're not doing that. I know and that we're... So, I mean, I got to tell you, it is, it is anti-Latino because the statistics show and the court verified 
that it's mostly people lower socioeconomic who happen to be Latino but you have who to be lack the I know that we're going to have more opportunities to hear so, yeah, about voter is. ID and yeah, I want to make is. sure that we get not for you not because for you got the means, sweetheart. Not you got a car to go. You got the way. But for okay. folks who don't. I know that we will have more opportunities to hear about voter ID, oh, and I can see that there are many spirited views on this topic. But I would like to allow this gentleman to ask one more question. Um, you know, our time is drawing hers. short. We didn't answer hers about mail. The state of Washington has a total mail ballot. I think we should really okay. look at how the state of Washington, that has total mail ballots in every election, proceeds, and they must have uh, stuff into place. So just for your question, that's what I would do. If you have a two-second question, two and if you can question. give two-second answers, and then I'm afraid we're going to have to save the rest for our panelists, who I know will still be right here. Okay, yeah, I had a question about the free and reduced lunch program. I noticed a uh, Facebook posting on uh, Representative Riddle's Facebook a few months ago um, that she wanted to cut that program, and I feel like that would adversely affect minority students. So I was wondering if that's something that you're going to seek during this next session. Um, any legislation about that? Okay, will there be legislation on free and reduced lunch? That's the question, the answer? Uh, I've got to tell you, sitting on appropriations and looking at the amount Been of there. money that we spend on the free lunch and the free breakfast and looking into that in my own area where there are schools that the entire school, they don't even ask. Uh, it, when we are in tight budget times, I've got to tell you, we need to focus our money on educating our children. It comes down to personal Okay, so will you be, will you be sponsoring that? I'm, I'm looking at so it. So she's looking I, at I'm it. I'm looking at it. I, uh, I am currently in, in prioritizing, but the okay. reason, the, but let me finish. The reason that I think that that is worthy of looking at is because, first of all, it's a money issue, and second of all, Parents have the responsibility of feeding their children. Now, let me hasten Thank you, to add, Representative nobody Riddle. wants a child. I, I, I did hear Senator Van Der I know that our time is concluding, so I will say it's that, a federal program. that Senator Van Der Peet has said it's, it's a federal, federal program. program. You have said that you are thinking about introducing it. And with that, we thank you for your participation. <laughs> and we thank the audience. And I'm sure you'll be around for a report to answer a few additional questions. Thank you all so much.